Welcome to the First Baptist Church of Lavernia Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions about what you hear, or if you would like to speak with one of our pastors, you can find all of our contact information at www.fbclv.com. I grew up going to vacation Bible school, and maybe some of you did also, or maybe you didn't, and you don't know what vacation Bible school is all about. So many churches will take a week during the summertime, some do it in the day, some like our church do it in the evening. And it's a week full of a time where kids learn music and dances, they do recreation, arts and crafts, they have snack time, missions, Bible study. And some may say, well, this is a huge investment for as far as the church, financially, uh, time-wise, resources. What is the goal? So what is the goal of Vacation Bible School. And our goal, and I hope every church's goal, is that no matter where the children are, no matter where the adults are, because it's really a church-wide event, no matter where they're at when they come into VBS, that by the end of the week, we would like for everybody to be a little bit more like this little fella here. Okay. You gotta worship him to get the word of Jesus, to get the word of God. We walk in the Christ. We gotta walk through the Christ of the foot of Jesus Christ. Because when the flood of the gates open, you have to let it go. Now when God come down and the seven trumpets ring around, you are not supposed to move. God is coming down to show you about what you need to be learning in, in your lifestyle. See, I love to praise the Lord, but I also love to give God the glory. See, I'm walking through the foot of Jesus Christ. You probably don't know me, but I'm Mm-hmm, that's right. So that's the goal. Whatever your kids walk in as, we want them to walk in a little bit more like that little fella because he's full of the Spirit and because he's excited and he's on fire for the Lord. And so this week, the theme was Spark Studios, and we had a key verse, Ephesians 2.10. So we're gonna walk through that verse this morning to see three truths that we taught the kids this week. There's three truths that you and I need just as much as they needed to hear. Ephesians chapter two, if you have your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, any of those black Bibles there in front of you in the pews, take that, put your name in it, and that's our gift to you. Three things that we have got to know about who we are. First thing, we are valuable. Each night, our kids had time to do some arts and crafts and just some creative things. And one of the Bible lessons, we learned about how God is our creator. And Brother James was teaching and he was telling the kids about some masterpieces, some works of art that are very famous, very well known. And so I'm not an art expert at all, but I can show you some of these pictures and tell you what I do know about them. So this first picture here, this one is called Card Players. Pretty well known, it's by a guy named Paul Cezanne Kizan. It's worth about $250 million. Or maybe you've seen this picture here. This one's called Salvatore Mundi by Da Vinci. It's worth $450 million. 
or probably the most well-known painting in the world is the Mona Lisa. In 1962, it was purchased for $100 million, which puts the value today, they believe, around $850 million. Now, when looking at pictures and artistry like this, I can have an appreciation or so, you know, not everybody can do something like that. I can't take a brush and some paint, I can't paint a picture. But then there's other types of art by artists that's a little bit more abstract, and when I look at it, I don't have the same appreciation for it. So pictures like here, this is Jackson Pollock, pretty well, good and a well-named name. This is called Number 31, and this is worth $45 million. Now, I'm not trying to brag. But I'm pretty sure I might could handle something like this. And there's probably like a creative part to this that I don't know about. And this may be way more difficult. But I'm thinking if you give me a couple of tubes or jars of paint, I could throw some stuff around and I could make something like this. But the difference is it's not going to be worth $45 million. I could probably sell something like this that I made for $45 and probably just at my mama because she'd buy it because I made it. But nobody else wants any part of it. So what makes a painting so valuable? Sometimes it's the age of the painting, if it's from hundreds of years ago, the era in which it was done. Other times, maybe it's the content of the picture itself. But the majority of the time, what makes a painting valuable is the creator. It's the one who made the piece of art that makes it valuable. So we taught our kids this week, and you need to hear this too, we are all valuable because we are all made by the Creator. Before we jump into Ephesians 2, we need to recap Ephesians 1 and then 2, 1 through 9. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He told them that redemption and forgiveness only can be found in Christ. He says he's so thankful for their love, for their service. He prays for the Spirit to give them great wisdom for their hearts and eyes to be open that our only hope is in Christ. He says, we were all dead in our trespasses. We walked in darkness, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive together in Christ. For it is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. Not of our own doing, not of any works of our own. Then we pick up Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. Workmanship literally means we are his work of art. And when we think about a work of art, maybe you think about a sculpture or a painting, maybe a wood carving, an ice cream cake, something that is absolutely incredible, and often a work of art is something that is one of a kind. And so us, you and I, we are also one of a kind. There's not another person like you. There's not another person like me. And so God is our creator. We are one of a kind, but he does not create us and then just put us on a shelf. He creates us and then he continues to work on us. So there's two things we have to understand about that. One is that as God continues to work on us, he is never going to lead us to look like something that is contrary to his word. And so we are a work in progress. But if you believe that where God is leading you in your life goes against his spirit and against his word and against the life of Christ, you have been mistaken. That is not where God is leading you. That's where you're leading yourself where the devil is leading you. God will only lead you to look more like Christ. And so how do we do that? What does it look like in our lives to look more like Jesus? Warren Wiersbe says, 
God uses three things to make us look more like Christ. First, he uses the word, 1 Thessalonians 2. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not only as word of men, but as it really is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. God speaks to us through his written word. He shows us what our lives should look like. God makes us and helps us to become more like Christ through, number two, prayer, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Through this power and this relationship of prayer, God shows us what our lives are supposed to look like as he gives us his example. And the more time we spend with him, the more we look like him. The word, the scripture, prayer, and then suffering. First Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so as far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name. And so we say, okay, listen, these are ways that we are able to grow in our relationship with God. These are ways that we're able to look more like Christ. We have to know the Bible. The Bible paints a picture and says, this is what your life should look like. We have to be in prayer. It's in the relationship. The more I get to know Christ, the more I know what my life is supposed to look like. I said, well, I'm with you on the word, I'm with you on the prayer, but I'm not so sure I'm with you on the suffering because I don't know if I really want that to be a part. So why is suffering so important for us as believers? Because in suffering, we identify with Jesus because he is our suffering savior. When we suffer, the Holy Spirit comforts us and then the Holy Spirit points us to the word and to prayer. And so in these three, we learn to grow and that relationship look more like Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your life today, but if you feel useless, if you feel powerless, if you feel unloved, unimportant, depressed, unappreciated, ordinary, or without purpose, I have something you need to hear. You are valuable. You are one of a kind because God created you, and as one pastor said, God don't make no junk. Hear that today and know it. You are valuable. Number two, we are blessed. I have grown up in Texas my whole life. It's the only place that I have ever lived. There has never been one summer in Texas that I have walked outside and said, you know what? It's a little chilly out here. I might need a jacket today. It's hot every summer. It's hotter some summers. It's hotter earlier than other summers. But it's always hot in the summer in Texas, and yet we always ask the price. So I love to see these pictures that are online, and they always say, meanwhile in Texas. And it's something about the summer. So look at this one here, right? It's so hot in Texas. Deer corn's popping up in the popcorn. It's so hot in Texas. I'm not saying nothing, but two hobbits just threw a ring in my backyard. It's a Lord of the Rings thing. They throw this ring in the fire. Never mind. 
It's so hot in Texas. The bank side just says, dang. <laughs> we don't even have that many numbers anymore. It got off the chart. And then I saw this one this week. This is my favorite. When the high is 93 instead of 98. woo And that's how we felt. So it's been 105 degrees every day for a month. And then this week, it hasn't rained in two years. And the one week that we have something planned outdoor, here comes the rain. And the first night, it threatened to rain, but it didn't. But it was overcast and it was windy and you could go outside and go, this 97 degrees feels amazing compared to 110 what it has been. And then the next night, it did rain a little bit, but we walked away from it going, whoo, Lord, thank you for the blessing of the cooler weather. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the rain that we sent. We thank the Lord when we see things that we believe to be good. And John says, here's something you need to know is absolutely good. You are blessed not just because God created you, but you are blessed because he created you and... He has a purpose for you. Ephesians 2.10. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Let's walk through this section at a time. We are created in Christ Jesus. What that means for us is we paint a picture for our kids this week, and then we tell them all many times in many years there are the ABCs of becoming a Christian. And so we say, if you don't know Jesus and you want to, here's how. First, you have to A, admit that you are a sinner, and we explain what disobedience looks like, and there is a punishment for that. You have to B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. C, you have to commit your life to him and confess that he is your Lord. And when that happens, then we go from the darkness into the light, and Scripture says we become a new creation. You are born in the flesh, but then you are born again in the spirit. And so now we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. This does not mean that our works saves us. Ephesians 2.10 is all about right before it, by grace through faith, we have been saved not by our own works so that we can't boast. You can't give enough. You can't do enough good. You can't help enough people to earn salvation. It's a gift that is given to us so our good works are not something that we say, well, because I did A, B, and C, now I am a Christian. Instead, our good works are the evidence of our faith in Christ. John Calvin says, it is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies can never be alone. So when we look at works, there are works of the law that Scripture teaches us about. There are works of flesh. There are works of darkness. What are Good works. Those are the works that please God. Obedience, faith, unselfishness, meeting needs, helping, loving, giving, sacrificing, evangelizing, discipling. These are all good works. That sounds nice, but how do I know what works God wants me to do? Great news. They are works which God has prepared. God already has the work set out for you in your life, and he has a plan. Well, then how exactly do I know what they are so I stay on the right track? Through the word, through the spirit, through prayer. Are you sure? Are you sure there's really a greater purpose for my life? Are you sure that there's more for me to do besides just eat, sleep, go to work, go to school, 
go on vacation, play video games, complain about the heat, and then die. Yes, I'm absolutely sure. How do you know that? Because God has prepared these good works beforehand. That means in advance that God has a plan for you. And let me tell you what happens. When you start to live for Jesus, when you put his plans above your plans, when you're in the very center in the middle of his will, you will feel blessed. I promise. We are valuable. We are blessed. Number three, we are sustained. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means this should be our way of life, not just something that we do during one week of Vacation Bible School, not just something on Sunday mornings between 9 and 10.30, not just Wednesday nights between 6 and 7.30. This is how we live. And if I were to ask you, anybody here today, how many of you want to look more like Jesus? Surely, hopefully, you'd all raise your hand. How many of you want to live in the center of God's will? Absolutely, absolutely. How many of you want to be closer to God tomorrow than you are today? Oh, yes, 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 yes. But the problem is we have these desires, and we say we want these things, but then often the truth is that we don't make choices to make us look more like Jesus. We don't choose God's path or his plan. We don't walk closer to him, and then one day we find ourselves so far off the path, we're not even sure where we are. Sometimes we lose our way because we choose sin, and disobedience will never lead you closer to God. Other times we get scared, and we just shut down, and God does not call us to be a people of fear. Other times we become complacent. Remember what that little boy said, I don't know if you can hear him, but he said, nobody knows the day or the hour. That's the truth. Nobody knows when God's gonna call us home. There's other times that we just don't feel able God, I wanna grow, I wanna be closer. I wanna know that you have good works prepared beforehand for me to do, and I wanna do those works. I just don't think that I can do them. And then God reminds us that he created us, so he will give us absolutely everything we need. He will equip us, and he will see us through. 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. A few weeks ago, our neighbors went out of town, and so they'd asked us to help let their dogs out and feed them. So one afternoon, I went over there, and I was gonna let them out, unlock the door. I peeked in. They have a big dog, and then they have a little dog. The big dog was laying in the bed, all laid on the side, it was still 112 degrees. And I said, okay, big dog, time to go outside. And they kind of just raised their head up and looked at me like, please don't make me go out there. It's so hot. Come on, get off the bed and go outside. Boom, 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 Big dog goes outside. But I haven't seen the little dog. So I wonder where they're at. So I go and kind of look, I peek. And then I see the leg of the little dog hanging off their bed. So they're over there curled up in their bed and the little dog is not moving. So I'm going, hey, little dog, come on, we gotta go. Nothing. Get a little closer. It doesn't look like the little dog is moving or breathing. Eyes are kind of half open, and I thought, you have got to be kidding me. 
I had one job, right? Just to let them out and go to the bathroom and feed them. My neighbor's dog has died on my watch. This is terrible. So I get a little bit closer. I'm going, hey, little dog. Hey, little dog, you got to get up. And they're still not moving. They're just laying there. Little dog, you got to get up. You can't die. And so I'm fixing to start compressions. I'm going to start CPR. And I reach down and touch the dog. And it pops its eyes up and looks at me and takes off running out the door. Here's the best part. What I forgot about the little dog is that it's deaf. <laughs> totally deaf. I knew that, but in this moment I didn't know that, or I just forgot. So I'm screaming at a deaf dog for it to come outside, and then I'm surprised why it doesn't hear me. The big dog is looking at me going, why are you screaming? That dog can't hear nothing. You're not so sharp, human. And so I wonder how many times in our life are we like that little dog? And we're laying there absolutely oblivious to all the things that God is saying to us. I don't think that God has to scream, but he is speaking so clearly every day through action, through his word, through his spirit, through signs and wonders, and we don't see anything that he wants us to see, and we don't hear what he wants us to hear. And maybe today is the day that God is gonna open up your ears and open your eyes so that you can know this to be true. You are valuable. You are his creation. You are blessed. He has a plan for your life and it's a good plan. You will be sustained through his word and through his spirit. One of the things about Vacation Bible School is you sing the songs so many times during the week that they'll be stuck in your head for months. We'll be singing these songs over and over. But I pray that the words from this year's song, we would continue to sing in our heads because it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. We are created in Christ, designed for God's purpose. Lord, this is one verse, just one verse out of all scripture that tells us so much about who we are. We are your workmanship. We are your works of art, created individually, not to be like anybody else, not to be like the world, only to be more like your son. God, we are created and you have a plan for us, for us to do good works. Lord, help us to see what the good works in our life are that you have called us to do. The ones that we've been closing our eyes and shutting our ears so that we don't have to hear it because maybe we don't wanna step out in faith. Maybe we're terrified. Maybe we just feel uncertain or unworthy or unable. God, I pray we be reminded today that we are a blessed people, that we have been created by a God who gives us a specific purpose and we wanna follow it. But we can't do that unless we're in the word, unless we're spending time in prayer, we're being led by your spirit. God, remind us today that you are a sustaining God. Not one time in scripture, 
did one of your prophets, one of your evangelists, one of your servants, one of your children, one of your helpers, follow you and you not see them through? Not one time. You have a perfect track record. And Lord, we try to put our faith and trust in things of the world that pass. We put our faith and trust in things that moth and rust will destroy. We put our faith and trust in the things that are seen. Perhaps today the challenge is that we put our faith and trust solely in you because you are always there. You are always loving, always forgiving, always good, and you always know what's happening. Lord, this is what we pray with open minds and open hearts. In the power of Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me today. We're going to sing this song of invitation. And there'll be two parts to this. One thing we want you to do is if the Lord's speaking to you about where you're at in your faith walk, about what he's calling you to do, about how you've had your ears and eyes closed and he wants to open them wide for you today, that we want you to do business with the Lord and we don't want you to walk away from that. We don't want you to say, well, I can talk about this later. We can discuss this later. I'll think about it later. You may not have later. Today may be your only day. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never followed the ABCs to admit that you have disobedience in your life and sin, if you've never chosen to believe he is the Son of God or committed your life to him, we invite you always to do that in any service. Second part is we have some blue tags up here on our stage. And Pastor Zach, he's going to tell you what these are for as a part of our invitation today. Hello, church. Uh, just wanted to uh, remind you all that this week, our 6th through 12th grade students were heading out to youth camp at Highland Lakes. And so um, up here, I have a bunch of wristbands that I have written down the names of every student and leader who's going to youth camp this week. And so um, we need to have an emphasis on prayer as the church, but as this church for youth camp as well. And so I would love if during this time of invitation and response, if you feel led, just come down, grab a wristband, put it on the rest of this week and every day, pray for that student, that leader, that person that is on your wristband so that things will be happening at youth camp that we could not explain except for it being just God moving on behalf of his people. So if you would, come grab one of those during this invitation time. There's no telling what God can do through these wristbands. Many of you maybe have given your life to Christ at camp. Maybe you have one of these on this week and somebody sees it and they ask about it and it opens up an opportunity for you to tell someone about Jesus. There should be about 35 or 40 of these up here. So during this time we ask you to come take one of these. However God speaks to you, you move. Chad, you lead us.